networks are still figuring it out. If you do not have a smart sports betting person on staff, if you just have presenters who are being fed this information and don't really know the difference, then that's what you're going to get. You also have to have a producer in the truck who can change a graphic and understand what it means. As a whole, the production of the content has a long way to go. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Hope everybody had a safe and very enjoyable holiday season with your loved ones. And welcome to what we expect will be a very, very, very busy 2023. Should mention as well, really appreciate everybody. Um, we've moved these Thursday afternoon shows from Twitter spaces over to LinkedIn Audio. So we're really grateful to LinkedIn for giving us this uh, platform to, to do the shows. We're excited to, to be on LinkedIn and, and uh, we think that this will give us a little bit more access to, to people in the industry and it will make it easier to find. We've got a great hour of conversation on tap for you. As always, want to welcome Amanda Brewer, the Canadian Country Manager for Kindred Group, who's, who's our, our regular guest on these Thursday afternoon get-togethers. We're going to be joined very shortly by Jared Bieber, the CEO of Sports Venture Holdings, the, the owners of Bet99. Chris Abbott, the Canadian Country Manager for Botano Canada, is also going to join us. Amanda, just uh, quickly, just want to say hi to you and hope you had a great holiday season. I'm sure you agree with me that uh, we're going to hit the ground running in the new year here. Wow, it's great to start a new year. I'm really happy, um, actually, just that we all managed to get across the finish line. And uh, I was just saying, I think we're probably seeing the crest in terms of operators in the market because we're now into a whole new year. We're four months away from celebrating the first anniversary. So I think there's there may be some operators if they're not through in the next couple of weeks that, you know, we might see uh, us now at, at the crest or the peak, but uh, I'll take another look when I'm back from Mexico and we'll see if I'm right or not. I appreciate you, uh, <laughs> you joining us. Uh, listen, let's get right to, to Jared Bieber, the, the CEO of Venture Sports Holdings. Uh, as, as I mentioned, I think on LinkedIn or Twitter not too long ago, the, the Grand Pooba of, of uh, Bet99 and and uh, Jared, I, I'd like to say, uh, you know, I, I hope you had a relaxing holiday, but but judging by the bombardment of, of news releases and knowing that you guys just centered the Ontario regulated market in the fall, I'm, I'm assuming it was ending but a quiet holiday season for you. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit of relaxing. I wouldn't mind Amanda to join the trip and use a, a little bit more of a break, but uh, it was a little, little bit more of a quiet period, at least to catch up. So no complaints here and looking forward to 2023 and onwards. Hey, Jared, as I mentioned, it's, it's been a really, really busy fall for Bet99. I mean, getting, you know, launching, getting your approval from iGaming Ontario, uh, the recent announcement around the, around the partnership deal with the National Hockey League. Uh, I believe you guys announced a partnership with, with X-Point in, de, in December as your geolocation partner. Uh, you know, your involvement with, with World Cup and I know uh, our partners at Homestand Sports worked alongside Bet99 in stage some some live events uh, during the tournament, uh, bringing Sebastian Giovanco on as as an ambassador. Um, you know, just uh, just how satisfying is it for the company and for yourself to to be operating in in this Ontario market now and be able to be able to activate the programs that you probably wanted to activate sooner rather than later. Oh no, it's 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 been a an amazing transition uh, into the regulated Ontario market. I mean. For us, this is a, a game of, of hyper-localization. You know, we understand at the end of the day that, you know, people migrate to 
events and messaging that connect them to their culture uh, to be able to finally, you know, engage our core demographic, engage our customer base, um, humanize that brand, the brand through that direct in-person um, uh, opportunities. It's been a, a great time and, and we're seeing, you know, fantastic return as a result of it. Right. Hey, Jared, just uh, any, uh, your, your thoughts on, on, uh, I know you guys have been very active even before the Ontario opening with, with your ambassador program and, and the deals that bet 99 has had in the past with, with, uh, George St. Pierre and, and, uh, Matthew Barnaby and the women in sports program you did about a year ago with, with Megan Chaka and, and Alicia Newman, and more recently bringing, uh, bringing Austin Matthews and, and Gio Benko into the fold. Like how, how do you see kind of further exploring those relationships now that the, the dynamic has changed a little bit for bet 99 in terms of Ontario? It's, it, it's a good question. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of different avenues that we want to go into one and, you know, you had touched on this before and you know, this goes hand in hand with the partnership that we're discussing with Parlay right now, but uh, you know, to be able to really delve into a, a deeper level of content with them um, and not just necessarily, you know, it kind of ties into our initiative with, with bet 99 TV. Um, you know, this is not just content about sports and sports betting, but it's, it's lifestyle, it's entertainment, it's the mind of these ambassadors, you know, to be able to, you know, understand from GSP uh, what the mentality is going into the fight, uh, to be able to understand from Alicia Newman what it's like to be, you know, an Olympic athlete, uh, to be able to communicate authentically and vulnerably is something that uh, we've found our, our customer base resonates with and, and, and we're very much so stepping into that. We'll get more into Bet99 TV shortly, uh, Jerry, because I want, I want to get uh, Chris Abbott and, and Mark Silver, uh, Mike Day, Gavin Roth into that conversation as well. I'd love to get your observations just on, on 2022 and, and what, what you saw in, in the Ontario market and, and what, you know, what gets you excited about the market? What are some potential, um, maybe not red flags, but certainly some concerns for a, a company like yours? I mean, I, I hate to state the obvious here, but it's it's busy. And so everyone is ultimately finding their niche and, and, and how they're going to compete. Uh, I wouldn't say that that was a surprise for us. You know, we had anticipated this. Um, but the biggest takeaway is, is, is it's certainly busy and, and it's important that ultimately you're going to find your niche as to how you're going to compete in, in this highly competitive market. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm joined on this on this meeting with uh, some, some some esteemed uh, competitors and, and and they're all doing fantastic things as well. So I'm I'm sure they could speak to it as well. That we're 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 all looking to find you know our, our part of the market to 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 take over and and to fight in. Hey Jerry, Jerry the other question I'll ask you too, just on that, because because it's a question I've asked whether it's Amanda or, or Chris or um, Aubrey Levy over at the Score. A question I've asked you know many people around the industry since we started the newsletter almost two years ago like what 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 do you think is going to be that special sauce or that x factor that's going to you know make make sports both successful in, in this market i mean I, I, there's a combination of things um you know having a tier one product is is table stakes um you know having a, a vast array of, of of a sports betting product having access to you know micro betting and social betting having access to you know uh, a vast array of of, of ca casino offering you know that 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 is, is is table stakes um for us ultimately it's it's about winning that long-term game through customer experience and engagement and you know that's through a combination of 
white glove concierge service that we're providing. That's through this unique content. Uh, that's through, you know, access to unparalleled interactive experiences. So it's, it's, it's a combination of things, but as I, you know, I, I, I don't believe that technology in itself is enough. It's, it's, it's critical and it's absolutely going to weed out, you know, the, the players and the non-players. Um, but there's, there's more to it than winning. And, and, and that's where I think that all that ultimate customer engagement and experience, um, that hyper localized approach to how you're, um, penetrating the market and ultimately, you know, maintaining that commitment to integrity. Um, you know, Canadians shop local because they trust local and, and, and to build that trust, there needs to be a fundamental commitment to integrity and players need to, they need to trust the platform as much as they trust the brand. And, and, and that's something again, that we're very much so stepping into. Right, right, right. I'll just remind everybody, uh, you know, if you have a question for Jared, for people that haven't joined us in this forum before, you, you just need to put up your hand and here in LinkedIn and, and we'll get you up on, on stage to ask a question. But I know, I believe Gavin has a, has a question. So Gavin, just turn yeah, your mic sure. on and over to you. Yeah. Hey, Hey Jared. Um, and, and I, you know, could apply to anybody, but, um, um, any of the panelists, uh, Chris, but content, content strategy, you said something that really resonated with me in, in terms of taking your ambassadors and, and pulling back the curtain, right? Letting, letting consumers get a feel for who they are, what they do, uh, mm -hmm. how they prepare their mentality. Do you, have you guys found that there's a stronger conversion or desire from sports betters for that content? versus pure play sports betting insights? Is it a uh, blend, which I think probably is the easy answer. Um, uh, but have you seen uptake on that kind of non, um, you know, hardcore sports betting insight content? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great question. And, and, and ultimately, I don't think it's a one size fits all approach. I mean, first things first, looking at the Canadian landscape as a whole, there are fundamental cultural nuances that exist between provinces and within provinces. And there are fundamental differences between the demographics that we cater to. Um, and so content is, is not, again, as I said, a one size fits all approach where um, one form of content is gonna satisfy every potential customer. There are some who absolutely would be looking for, you know, the sharp picks and the deep sports insights. And there are others who may just want to engage with your ambassadors at a deeper level. Um, and as a result, ultimately end up developing a deeper affinity for the brand and, and it results in greater conversion down the road. So um, I, I don't want to dance around the question, but um, I think there's there's definitely room for both types of content. And it's about making sure that you're distributing that right content to the right segment at the right through the right channel at the right time. And uh, I, you know, we, along with everyone else, are are, are figuring that out in real time. Um, I'm not going to suggest that we have all the answers to it, um, but we do believe very firmly um, that, that 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 the content strategy is 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 one of. of significant importance in, in properly competing in this market. Jared, I want to continue to build on that conversation because I think, you know, we've got people here today with a lot of experience around the media business and uh, I'll, I'll get Mark Silver to, to kick it off in a second here. But as we wrote in the newsletter this morning, Jared, with uh, with your, what you guys are doing with investing in Bet99 and we saw the launch of FanDuel TV and 
in the U.S. late last year. And, and we certainly have seen with Bell Media and Rogers, the, the partnerships at TSN, exclusive deal with FanDuel and then uh, uh, sports networking with various partners to kind of, you know, try to find a lane for that merger of, of uh, sports betting content that sports fans don't fi- find to be off-putting. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the newsletter that, that North Star Bets, they took a bit of a different approach to uh, to that with uh, with hiring a, a team of journalists and, and kind of going a little bit deeper on written content around sports betting and sports and at the same time bringing on board people like Chris Johnson and, and, and Rod Black, two very well-established brands in the Canadian sports media industry. Um, so, Mark, I'll maybe just get you to kick off the conversation because, again, I think a lot, what we've seen really come to fruition a lot more in the past five or six months is that sports betting operators realize in some respects that they're going to have to become media networks. Yeah, we've certainly seen it in the U.S., Steve, and you know, with what we've seen uh, you know, from the Bet99 team and maybe learning more about their aspirations, um, we, we can appreciate the, the journey to become a network. You know, we, we, we tried as a group when we first launched the parlay a year plus ago to, to kind of be that network. And we found that the, the challenge of building audience is a, is a great one and takes a, a lot of time. When you look at the landscape, as I see it today, really Canada versus the U.S. And we've talked about this, you know, just, just before the holidays on, 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 on this very forum, that we have yet to see, whether it's TSN or Sportsnet or, or others, other big broadcasters, make an investment in creating what I would call sports betting first content that appears on their networks. These are things that we have seen out of the U.S., we have seen shows that are focused on these topics, and you know the the examples are just something different than a segment that's in a live broadcast or a segment that's in a sports news show. These are things that, of course, we have seen, and you know I've seen uh, with Jared with your your group. You know, Bet ninety nine does a, has been doing a feature, I think, with the uh, the social accounts for one, one of the Sportsnet handles. You know, so these are things that we expect, and this this rise of you know the individuals and their audiences and then getting access through various partnerships um, to to media dollars both sports books and non sports books is is kind of the the, the ground up it's more kind of the, the guerrilla marketing that the sports books have have leaned into and i'm waiting for canada to to become a a better place for this content to exist but if you turn on tsn and sportsnet today you generally are going to see us produced content unless you're watching a new show or watching the the NHL or the CFL, and that's 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 a challenge. That if you you know if you listen to other podcasts that are out there, like the the Town and the Ringer Network is one of my favorites, and you'll hear someone like John Skipper speak about Metal Arc and what he's doing, and he talks about how you know ESPN got out of the producing so much of the you know feature content because it's expensive, and so this is something that we've seen in Canada way more than we've seen in the U.S. and and I think the onus is on the sports books in Canada. To just create their own audience and voice, and I and I think with what we're doing with with Parley in the past and what we've begun to do very very softly with Homestead Sports is going to be a great opportunity for whether you're a sportsbook operator or, or not non endemic brand you're looking to reach a new audience on different platforms. I think it's a very exciting time to be to be ready to experiment and, and do new things because the social networks we've all seen what's playing out. It is not a surefire way for for a creator or a brand uh, to break through. Great stuff, Mark. Hey, Chris, I, would, I, want, I want to get you in here because I know this you're, you're a sports media geek like me. We, we both kind of cut our teeth and got our foot in the door in, in small markets. And, uh, you know, given your experiences previously at cool bet and now as the, the country manager in Canada for Botano, I'd, I'd love to get your, uh, your thoughts on this topic. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me it goes back before I was ever with an operator, and I worked at the affiliate Odd Shark. And um, when I kind of started there in, God, the years go by so fast, uh, 2017, 18, whatever it was. Um, yeah, could have been 2007, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just looked up, I just, I'm just on your LinkedIn profile now, Chris, 2018. And that's not that long ago, right? So that's five years ago. And in the time I started there, it was all written content. It was written, written, written. We were kicking out, you know, dozens of previews per day. Then it kind of started going into the video realm, then the daily video realm. Then it was the short Instagram video. And since that time, and I think this goes back to what you let off with, Steve, about complaints about sports betting placements in the media, is that the stuff is not hitting home. Um, it's moved so that it's... Um, well, let, let me backtrack when, before I say it's moved. I think a lot of the stuff we're seeing is just being put out for the sake of being put out. And I think I've talked about this on this show before. I think the Bells and the Rogers of the world coming out of the pandemic, their eyes lit up with gambling money because the timing was good. And I was like, okay, we'll take your money. Yeah, we'll do this segment. <clears throat> but we never really talked about how we're going to do it well. And I think even, you know, something that really stands out is a guy like Cabby Richards, who is a media superstar. He still had to find his way in how his brand presents betting. And if, if Cabby can't do it where, the, where he's a stud in Canada, um, I'm not saying he can't do it, but it wasn't an instant hit, boom, let's go. They've reshaped how they've done the SN bets thing a number of times already. Um, <clears throat> to me, I think we haven't found the right way to present it to people. And I think, and we've also had this discussion on here before, bar, the Barstool gang, love them or hate them, um, buy what they're selling, is it a shtick, is it whatever. The first thing they did was build a following, and then they implemented betting content. And that's been successful for them, because their followers who like betting already trust these guys, already find them entertaining. So I think it goes back a bit to what Jared was talking about and, and when he was asking Gavin's question is, the, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm betting this tonight, uh, you should bet it too, you can go bet it here. I think, that, I think that's dying. I think there's so much of it out there, everybody's got an opinion. Uh, very few gamblers are winners, those who are have a bit of a following. I think you've got to find an entertaining personality, I think you've got to get them involved with your brand, and then I think you, you, know, you work the betting through there. And it goes back to just the word that was used before, which was entertainment. It has to be entertaining to get my attention, and then I'll pay attention to what you're saying. To your point about Barstool, Chris, I mean, Barstool got into uh, streaming an NCAA uh, football bowl game last week, did the Arizona Bowl, and, and they're, they're quite happy. Uh, you know, they're quite happy with the results from that first stream. And again, it was a bit, bit different. Uh, uh, the very controversial Dave Portnoy was the color commentator. So this, you know, this wasn't Tony Romo predicting plays and, and you know, doing X and O stuff. So it was different coverage. But um, I think what we're seeing is there's room room for all kind of content. Adam, the reason why I wanted to get you on today was because, it, you know, while I was writing the newsletter yesterday and, and was mulling over this topic, your, uh, your tweet popped up about, uh, you know, that uh, there are some of us, I guess, di dinosaurs to some extent, people like me who do long a little bit for the, the old days of sports media, but um, also appreciating, and, and I'm part of something, a parlay media, where I, I think you you make a great point in your tweet that there that, that this is a really good time to be a sports fan that there is a lot of content now. I mean, podcasts are something that 
that uh, weren't even being thought about when I got into this industry almost 42 years ago. And, uh, you know, the, the YouTube channels and social media now. And, and um, Steve, so I, my audio I, I broke wonder, up there. I think you did you say 42? It sounded like 42. Uh, yes, it is. It is 42, <laughs> Gavin. Um, yeah, <laughs> sadly. But um, yeah, Adam, we just so I and just uh, Adam actually did a poll on it. And, and you know, I would say an over, a pretty strong majority said, felt that uh, that sports fans are, are being a lot better served today than they once were. Adam, I'd love to get your thoughts and just kind of what, what prompted that, what prompted that tweet and the kind of response that you received yesterday. Thanks for, for, for inviting me on and good to talk to everyone. Happy new year. Um, I mean, you hear a lot from sports fans that are lamenting, you know, the cuts in the traditional media, whether it's television or radio or print, you know, newsrooms. I think what sparked it, I was listening to Richard Deitch's podcast where you Tara Sloan, and uh, Stephen Brunt on, and, and Brunt was reminiscing about the 80s and the Globe and Mail newsroom having, you know, 15-plus writers in the sports department and now them having, you know, maybe one. Um, and on the surface, you'd think, well, you know, sports fans in Canada are being so underserved compared to what it used to be. But, you know, from my perspective, you know, I've never felt like there's more access to sports content uh, than ever before. I think about, you know, 10 years ago, if I was interested in knowing what's going on in the PGA Tour, you know, I'd probably be either relying on, you know, Associated Press or CP articles coming up in the major newspapers. Maybe someone's covering a major uh, for the major newspapers. I'd maybe get a golf segment every once in a while on Sportsnet, but that's kind of it. You know, today I listen to a dozen or so, you know, different PGA podcasts. I can follow what's going on on Twitter. I can look on YouTube and see videos and interviews with every player. So I think there's so much content out there that allows for, um, you know, a diversity of sports fandom to take place where you can be a fan of any team, no matter where you live in the world. I can follow the Oilers as well from Toronto as I can if I lived in Edmonton. And frankly, I could follow them just as well if I was living in Australia or if I was living in you know anywhere in the world, which, which I think is interesting um, in terms of what the opportunity is to reach sports fans. You no longer need to partner with a you know TSN or a sports center of the world. You don't need to have your ads running in the newspaper or on the radio in order to reach sports fans. There's so many different ways to do it. And the way that you do it is, is so different, which goes back to your conversation about content marketing. And I think what Mark was saying about the parlay and what Chris has said, um, you know, how to do that is still, I think, being figured out in Canada. Um, it's not just in the gaming industry. Um, it's in every industry. So content marketing, I think, is a big opportunity and still really underdeveloped, you know, everywhere in the world. But really in Canada, we're, you know, we're five years behind what happens in the U.S. Hey, thanks. Um, hey, Mike, I'm going to go to Mike Day and then uh, Gavin, I really like to get you in here on the content marketing piece that Adam references. So, Mike, over to you. Great. Uh, thanks, everybody. Hey, Adam. Um, love the uh, love the poll and, and I saw a bunch of the comments post uh, I don't know if there was an opportunity for people to comment uh, on the poll other than uh, voting but just just curious either some responses you got on the poll or just from your discussions with folks um, with the 40 percent that said they missed the old days were there particular paper show personality etc that were oftentimes mentioned um, for those who commented on I miss the old days yeah, it's a good question. And I definitely got comments on Twitter. You know, I got some DMs. And, and this is a conversation I've had quite a bit over the last probably three or four years um, about the changes in the sports landscape in Canada. I think a lot of people are nostalgic for a day where you knew that there was going to be a columnist in your paper uh, and a radio voice in your market that you knew was going to be covering is going to be there every day. So, you know, Bob McCowan name name come up 
all the time. I mean, McCowan was the king of this market for a long time. Um, I think Stephen Brunt comes up a lot. I think people miss having a handful of writers at all the papers that they could trust. So, um, you know, specifically Stephen Brunt and, and Bob McCowan came up as names that people kind of miss knowing where to get them, knowing that they were going to be there every day and, and knowing that if, if a segment happened on, on, uh, on the fan, or if, you know, Brunt had a column, there's a very good chance that everybody else who's a sports fan also heard that or also read it. And now it is a conversation piece for your next day at the office or that night at dinner at the game when you're talking with guys, Hey, I can't believe what McCowan said yesterday about the Jays. Or did you see Brunt's article this morning? Or did you see Steve Simmons article this morning? I mean, Simmons name came up too, although he's still very much out there and doing it. So those are a couple of names that came up. And I think there's something that is a little bit, uh, lost and not having you know three or four you know leading voices covering sports in the country the same way they're used to. It's very fragmented now. If I could just jump in, I wanted to I wanted to piggyback on that because uh, a couple of things that have been said, uh, Adam. There, you know, you you allude to the fact that these established brands, whether it's Globe and Mail or TSN or Sportsnet, they no longer have that captive audience that they always had too, right? So yeah. they're now not only trying to figure out what they have to offer, despite their brand power, their content, uh, as well as budgetary restrictions that have come down. And obviously a lot of these people that we're talking about have been, have been let go of their contracts or not re-upped. So there's also a, a different focus coming from the, from the national brands, and that's created space for um, the parlays of the world to, to, to weave in. And I think that's where we're at. I think we've got a lot of puzzle pieces on the floor and it's still not, you know, shaping itself into any one real picture here. Yes, Chris, I agree that like there's been you know budget cuts and there's a loss of audience at TSN or Sportsnet and ESPN in the US and TNT. But there's also opportunity for you know certain content creators to drill into their specific niche. Could be really be anything. It could be a local team or it could be a sport that generally wouldn't be a focus of a major player. And I would say to that too, Adam. I think Parlay and, and Flash Homestand has shown that with Room Four Four Two Soccer Show is now on uh, the Game Plus Network Monday Monday to Friday afternoons and a half hour program that's hosted by James Sharman and, and joined by Sarah Pereira, Albert Vartani, and, and Michael Singh. And uh, I think to your point, Adam, and going back to your tweet yesterday, there are just a lot more opportunities now to distribute that content and those opinions and breaking news in a lot of different places and. I remember when I joined the sports, uh, the, when I joined the Globe and Mail Sports Editor back in 2000, uh, it was pulling teeth for me to uh, to get our, our writers to post something on the internet to, to realize that we no longer had to wait until the next day to break news that we could break it on GlobeandMail.com. But that was uh, that was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, pulling on the rope to get to get the rest of the group uh, to to buy into that. Um, Mark, so I'm sure I'm sure you have an additional thought on that. And then Gavin, I'm going to go to you because I, re I really do want to revisit the content marketing issue. I like the theme that was mentioned. I think it's by you, Adam, about you know we're Canada's about five years behind the U.S. And, and what, what I'd like to point to is you know with, with the recent change in the NFL broadcast rights, obviously Amazon. Now we're going to see you know Google, YouTube in a bigger way, and we look forward to the NHL rights in a few years coming up in Canada. Beyond Frank leaving TSN. Perhaps there are a lot of other very high-profile broadcasters who are going to be redistributed. I mean, hopefully, you know, just being selfish, of course, I, I hope there's opportunities for all kinds of new talent to rise from the ashes because we really haven't seen any new talent in this country for the last 20 years. Gavin, you want to hop in now? Sure, on, on... yeah. No, it's, it's great, great conversation. I mean, for, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was getting at when I, you know, asked... Um, uh, Jared, the question about what content resonates. I think, 
um, it's long been stated that content is king. I, I, it's, it's, I heard an interesting take on that years ago that con, you know, content is queen and, and the consumer is king or, or the other way around, right? Um, that the consumers will dictate what bubbles to the surface, what, what, what uh, takes off. And I think that's just a commentary on the fact that there, there's different types of marketing and content for different types of consumers. You know, the Stephen Brunts and the Richard uh, Deitch and, 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 and uh, the Steve Simmons of the world might resonate with certain consumers, but I'm looking at Noor, you know, we, we have an amazing young lady who, who does basketball content uh, for the parlay, uh, or a, a Steve Dangle or a Pat McAfee. You gotta build it. So first the product, you gotta have compelling, entertaining content. Then it's where do you distribute it? Whose voice do you, do you attach to it? All these things go into effective content marketing. And then you bring it back to the area I've lived in most of my career, which is sports marketing and sponsorship marketing. If, I think that offers uh, books operators a wonderful platform to stand out. So if a brand was to align with the NBA. Alex uh, Levy's still on here uh, listening and, and he works at the NBA in, in partnerships. If some if a brand aligned with the NBA and you know they they would be able to have an exclusive opportunity to own some content that NBA fans are getting exposed to, that's a great way of standing out above your competition. Um, you look at what some of the brands are doing with the NHL, Bet 99s with the NHL, they're gonna have to pick a lane that they can own exclusively and be present and make an impact versus the other brands that are affiliated with the NHL. But that's possible through sponsorship marketing. So those, I think at the end of the day, it's about winning the hearts and minds of the betting public. Um, and it's not necessarily only going to be through hardcore betting content. It'll be through experience through lifestyle through access through entertainment yeah i couldn't agree more again i just want to go back to amanda brewer for a second because amanda you, you've been around this industry for the better part of a quarter century now i mean would was there ever like how much talk was there back in the day when you first got got into this industry about content and marketing and media and and you know just how how much has the industry involved on those fronts God, there was there was no discussion of it because the 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 activity was completely illegal until April fourth of last year. So, um, you know, if you had my my colleague Troy Ross on, he could tell you about the efforts. You know, more than a decade ago, um, to make sure that at least .NET advertising um, was permissible throughout Canada, and that's what is still you know in in evidence uh, across other provinces in this country. But there was no discussion of that because that activity was completely you know verboten. Um, but you know the other thing because I've been listening to this conversation, and it's really interesting. The other thing I think we always have to keep reminding everyone is. Ontario's market is not like the U.S. Um, Ontario had a very robust, very thriving, very profitable, although not for Ontario, gaming industry prior to April 4th. Um, and I don't know if we are necessarily a population of gamblers that is going to resonate with a whole bunch of you know, advertising and content and marketing. We could be that it's just culturally we're not the same as our neighbors to the south. Well, we know we're not the same as our neighbors to the south, but it could be because we've had access to these websites for the better part of a decade, more than a decade. 
Um, you know, it could be that we really have to kind of shift our, our expectations for how we are going to engage with our customers up here because the tried and true playbook um, that, you know, is being used south of the border isn't necessarily what's going to work up here. So I think last year for any of the operators that were in the market for several months before December 31st, it was really test and learn. And you were putting stuff out there. You were looking to see what's, what resonated, what stuck with customers. Um, and I think that was a lot of really useful information that operators got. Not every operator is going to be able to afford MLSC partnerships. Not every operator is going to be able to afford television advertising. So there's definitely an opportunity to do a lot of creative stuff. But I think more than it just being creative, it's it's probably going to be out of the box because I agree with Gavin. Like I think the Canadian customer needs to be entertained. I don't think they need to be hit on the head with the same. And I'm just going to pick on FanDuel because my husband, who's a huge sports fan, was listening to his Sirius radio. And I mean, Sirius is like the Sportsnet broadcast. You don't filter out the ads that get broadcast into Ontario. So if you're sitting there listening to a, a FanDuel, excuse me, a FanDuel ad, um, and they're offering you whatever it was, $1,000 or $1,500 sign-up bonus, I mean, how are you supposed to know that that doesn't apply to you in Ontario, but you're still getting it anyway up here? So right now it kind of feels like you can't escape it. And, you know, maybe that's something that is going to is gonna shift as we get a little bit more knowledge and information about what's working in this market. Because, you know, I think it's going to have to be different than what we're doing in the States. Great. Thanks for that insight, Amanda. I want to go around the horn. I'd love to, I'd love to get Amanda, uh, Chris, Jared, and, and Mark and just you know, when we look towards the next 12 months, is there something in particular, whether it's a storyline or, or a trend, or, or is there something that, that you're going to follow over this year or a prediction that you want to make? Just just one thing. And, and uh, Amanda, hopefully I'm not uh, putting you on the spot here, but I'll, st- I'll start with you. That's okay. Well, I'm just going to say two things because Super Bowl is coming up and we missed that last year because the market didn't open until April. So I think this will be an interesting Super Bowl given the volume of um, of operators in the market. So I'll just be curious to see how we're all going to approach that one. But no, I, as I was saying earlier, I think we've now pretty much crested. Um, and for me, what I'll be watching, I mean, it's not really so much um, what we're all going to be running around doing with our you know, customers or our marketing and all that. I There's some changes we need to make with these regulations. This is, <laughs> Chris is talking about it's expensive to produce content. It's expensive to be in this market before you spend a penny on any of your marketing. Um, so I think, you know, just trying to get some efficiencies um, rolled out in this market, and that's really boring stuff, but it will certainly help to make it a bit easier to be an operator here. Yeah, uh, Jared. Well, I'll take a different approach, but I will echo what Amanda said. I mean, it is expensive to participate in this market, and it's definitely been a big learning curve. I mean, she mentioned this earlier before. We we are figuring out and um, being completely candid to get the license in Ontario and to satisfy the compliance and the regulatory hurdles that were, it forced us to grow up as a company. And there was a lot of blessings within that, but um, that, that, that's been one, you know, massive learning curve here. What I wanted to say, you know, it's going to be interesting over the next 12 months is going to be the insights derived as there's more reporting on the Ontario market. Um, I think, you know, some of the results that have been released thus far are a bit skewed because it didn't reflect all of the gray market operators who had yet to transition into the white. Um, I do believe that the numbers are going to be quite staggering um, over the next couple of quarters. And, you know, 
there's, uh, I'll give you an example, you know, an, an, an iGaming uh, Ontario study that's being conducted on the economic impact of gaming within Ontario. I think there's going to be some unique insights that come from that. And I'm curious to see how the other provinces are going to react. Um, and I'm sure I'm not alone in uh, in wondering what the uh, the opening of the rest of Canada uh, is potentially going to look like. Great. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, um, both Jared and Amanda had, uh, you know, I, really, I think the really key things, uh, efficiencies for one, and that comes on costs for operators, but also the number of operators. Um, when do the premiums start to die down uh, when it comes to advertising costs? I think um, something else that we're going to have to keep an eye on is the public's um, backlash or lack thereof when it does come to the the, the marketing. Are we going? Are we going to self-regulate as an industry in in concert with the um, broadcasters, which I think is a must because if not. Um, it's going to end up being being a ban at some point. So I think we really need to approach this um, smartly. I think something else to to keep an eye on is is the is the public impact. And I'm talking about who's hiring in Ontario. Where are these good news stories come from? Right. All we've talked about so far, I feel, with our industry is um, how much money is being spent on gambling. Right. But are we talking about how much is being reinvested in terms of jobs, in terms of tech companies, in terms of investment in local production houses and things like that? So I, I'm keen to see if that becomes part of the narrative or if we're, if we're still talking about, you know, who bet how much and how much went back to the government. I think there's so much more um, involved in this entire thing. I think it can be a really good news industry. And uh, I'm curious to see if that's the path that the narrative goes down. Yeah, well said, uh, Chris and uh, Mark. Yeah, we'll stay on the media theme, Steve. And you know, we're, at, we're at a point in time where less households in, in this country have a subscription to, to cable or satellite than, than don't have a subscription. And Pluto TV arrived just a month ago. You know, Fubo TV was already here as a subscriber version of their service. They've already announced they're going to be launching a fast version of their service. You know, they have the, the EPL rights in Canada as an example. So it's just the emergence of challenger brands to the, the established oligopoly in TSN and Sportsnet. And no, they're not going to have the marquee rights, but will they be able to aggregate audience in a place that has the Cheers channel and the Frasier channel and the Happy Days channel, but there's really no sport. That, that, that's what I'm really focused on and looking at to see how that all plays out. Right. Luch, I'll get you in here now. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, no, no problem. First of all, bon anno to everybody. Uh, happy New Year in Italian, as we say. Um, but I agree that content marketing is, is extremely underutilized. First of all, I don't think we're five years behind the U.S. I think we might be one or two, but I think five is a little bit overboard. Um, <laughs> but I do have a question for Chris and, um, and Adam and Jared as well with respect to what do you guys believe is the, I guess, the line between paid content and free content? Because I know there's a lot of friends of mine who are, pretty heavy betters that do go out and pay for some NFL content. These are guys, I mean, I'm not in their league, but they do pay for it. And they, they have done very, very well with the paid content. How do you guys see, you know, that, that landscape building over the next few years? Is it something that you guys are off going to offer? Or are you not going to offer that? What do you guys, what's your take on that? I'd love to, I'd love to hear from both Jared and Chris and that Jared. Yeah. Happy Chris. You want to, you want to take the lead on that? I'll follow up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't mean to stump anyone. I just, just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. Wow, 
I've no, got. I just don't want to. I just don't want to open the Komodo too much. Yeah, <laughs> I realize that now. Now that I've said it, I'm like, uh oh, maybe I've gone a little bit. <laughs> I've got a personal view on paying for picks, and I I don't think I'd ever do it. Um, as an operator, I don't. I don't. Um, I would never want to offer it as an operator because I think it's a bit of a conflict of interest. Right. Um, I think you're paying to play with us anyway. So, um, but when it comes to just that model, just my, you know, just some opinions on it, some thoughts. I would presume that most people uh, in my position who are, you know, responsible for the overall presentation of a sportsbook guy casino are not catering to that player. Um, it's a very, very small um, player base. The people that bet enough money that they want to spend their own money to get more insights on it. Um, if I'm betting twenty dollars on on a hockey game, I'm not paying, you know, a hundred dollars a month to get somebody's thoughts on it. Right. Um, so I think it's a, a very, very small amount of the people who are actually betting. Um, listen, these the professional gamblers are generally playing with their own guy that they've had for a long time or they're playing on a site um, that they're comfortable with and happy with um, and there's sites that are you know sharp action sites and, and all this stuff um, most are not so I would think that as a business model for somebody to to first of all you've got to have a guy who wins enough to make it worth your while um, there's a lot of people online who pretend to be that um, so you've really got to do your due diligence, and uh, I guess ultimately, without sucking too much of the oxygen out of LinkedIn here, um, it's it's not it's not a it's not anything that I'd get behind professionally or or personally. Thank you. Hey, Jared. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I, I'll piggyback off of uh, off Chris. There, we did consider for a period of time uh, offering. A subscription service to those picks and to chris's point i mean ultimately it was shot down because it, it, it felt like too much of a conflict of interest um it, there becomes a, a, almost a level of animosity between the book and the player if they feel that they were misled because the picks that they were receiving through the book did not hit and as a result they lost money and it, it just didn't make sense in terms of providing access to we have considered offering access to exclusive content to different tiers of customer based on activity on the platform. Um, that is something that we have shot around. Um, where we end up on that is TBD. Um, but that's kind of the, the extent of to what I would talk uh, regarding, you know, access to exclusive content to specific segments. Right. Hey, man, I'd really love to get your thoughts on this, on this topic, too. You know, I don't know. I, I think to Jared's point, different different segments of customers are going to be engaged. And, you know, having been in this market for nine months and taking a look at where our activity is, I've been pretty clear since we launched that we are a casino first operator. So, you know, when I look at what, you know, our numbers were doing in December, you know, our casino content, our slots, our table games, our live dealer, we're doing fantastically. Um, so am I going to be spending a lot of time and money trying to put content out there when the vast majority of my customers are preferring casino? I think the content is really more on the sports side of things. So, 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence on how heavily from, from our perspective, we'll be investing in something like that or requiring something like that, because my operation, my business model is going to be different from other operators up here. Right, right. I think so. Just, it's just it's just keeping in mind that there are there, you know we're all going to be in here yes trying to get customers and we're going to be going about it slightly differently but you know we all might have slightly different business objectives in this market as well and I think that's where you know it's going to be great because we're all not going to necessarily be doing the same thing and and you know from a customer perspective that's great too because it means there's going to be a lot of choice in the market but you know we're all in here still trying to figure things out to the best of our ability but I think it's helpful if our objectives are all going to be slightly different too. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say just quickly to, to wrap up my thought on that, I think Amanda hit on something important there is that um, everyone has different, different marketing objectives for sure. Um, it's expensive to get involved in that game. Uh, it's n- certainly not a guarantee that it's going to go positively. And there's enough people offering those services um, third-party-wise that as operators... Um, you know, are we going to gain customers from it? Probably. Um, but do we need to, to back it? Probably not. Right. I, I want to get uh, Mike Day back in here. Hey, Steve. Uh, just just uh, going back a bit and interested in uh, anybody on stage's comments on this. And we've talked a lot about content and content, uh, betting content, as it's uh, presently being uh, offered by, by the networks. And, and comments that I've heard from friends of mine, both um, in the business and, and out of the business, is uh, too prepackaged, too formulated, um, and not as reactive and organic to what happens during the game. I think for, for me, uh, I think that goes back to something I mentioned a little bit earlier in that um, networks, I guess it would be in this example because it's, it's what's uh, during the broadcast, are still figuring it out. Um, if you do not have a smart sports betting person on staff if you just have presenters who are being fed this information and don't really know the difference then that's what you're going to get um you also have to have a producer in the truck who can change a graphic uh and understand what it means so i think it goes back to as a whole the production of of the content is has a long way to go thanks chris let's go through some of the headlines from this morning's newsletter we devoted the uh the main chunk of the newsletter to kind of looking at 2023 as we mentioned at the end of the year uh you know 70 registered brands in ontario now there are still some more brands who would like to get into the market uh, the market here wondering what if any impact the ontario market will have on provincial governments across the rest of the country to bring in a more competitive sports betting and and, uh, gaming industry in in 2023. Talked over the past year about this market in Ontario and, and, you know, the likelihood that there will be some consolidations or that there will be some small operators who who pull out of Ontario over the next 12 months because this market is is so competitive. As always, there there will be a lot of conversation we expect this year around advertising by the sportsbook and gaming operators and and how that gets managed. And if we see maybe the flood of complaints that we saw from from sports fans in, in 2022, if there's either an acceptance by sports fans that that betting is part of uh, part of what they see now on television or experience on social media, or if we see sports books operators pull back on their advertising dollars, uh, bet where casinos go from here, and uh, 
I kind of feel like the Austrian goalies at the World Junior Hockey Championship because it slipped by me yesterday that uh, the announcement by Caesar Winger that it's going to open its retail sports book next uh, next Wednesday and uh, going to have 22 large screen television sets, three betting windows, and seven sports betting kiosks. And, and I believe it's kind of the first real retail sports book experience we're, we're going to see in the province. So that's exciting. And I think we'll see more of that uh, in 2023. Uh, a couple of other headlines this week. Um, uh, if you didn't get the newsletter, uh, there was a story out this morning that uh, BetMGM informs its customers of Ontario uh, last month that this, its Ontario customers may have been impacted by the data breach that they experienced uh, last year. That's a story we'll keep uh, keep following. Also, the uh, conference season has already started. The, uh, the CES Tech Show starts today in Las Vegas and runs through Sunday, and, and the gaming industry is, is certainly represented at that tech show. And, and then just a reminder that and it's hard to believe that the ICE Conference in London is only five weeks away. And, and again, we expect that that show will be uh, as big, if not bigger, than the Global Gaming Expo that, that took place in Las Vegas back in uh, back in October. Let's uh, let's wrap it up here. It's almost at the top of the hour. Um, listen, great, uh, just a great sixty minutes. Um, Jared Beaver from Bet Ninety Nine, the Sports Venture Holdings. Can't, Jared, can't thank you enough for joining us today, and hopefully we'll we'll get you back. Uh, we'll get you back here on LinkedIn Audio and on the Gaming News Canada show throughout the year. No, I really appreciate it, Steve, and, and uh, it's a pleasure to meet everyone who was on the call today as well. Love Great. what you guys are doing here. Thanks, Jared. Uh, Chris Abbott from from Botano Canada. Chris, I, I believe you're I believe you're in the Maritimes. Is that is that true? And if so, do you have a prediction for the uh, for the World uh, Junior medal, Gold Medal game? Nah, I'm in Toronto. I, I got a little brave and started looking at flights this morning. I used to live in Halifax, and it looks like a whole lot of fun. Um, Betting-wise, uh, the Czechs are a two-goal underdog. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. I'm going to bet them on the spread, a little bit on the money line. If Canada loses, I get paid. If they win, uh, I'm still a Canadian. We're all good. <laughs> and uh, Amanda Brewer, uh, Canadian Country Manager for Kinder Group, thank you, uh, thank you for joining today. Oh, my pleasure, Steve. I wouldn't miss this unless I'm on a beach in Mexico. <laughs> okay, you're allowed that. Uh, listen, thanks. Thanks, everybody who joined us. Um, please pass the word around. Uh, this show comes out in the Gaming News Canada podcast, usually on Monday mornings if our executive producer is able to spend some time on the weekend slicing and dicing and splicing to put this together. So uh, appreciate everybody joining us on LinkedIn Audio today. Uh, we do this every Thursday afternoon, so if, if you'd like to be a, a guest on the show or if you want to spread the word that, that uh, we talk about the, the gambling, sports betting, and gaming industry here every Thursday afternoon, please do so. But, but thanks, everybody, who's uh, joined us today. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing everybody back here next week. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.